We've got football in Tiger Stadium tomorrow, and it may just be a spring game, but I am excited nonetheless. Here are some of the things that I am looking for on Saturday in Tiger Stadium for LSU spring game and what Brian Kelly is looking for from his team on Saturday afternoon. You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, but also check us out on YouTube. You can watch the pod, and that, of course, is free and every single day. My name is Caroline Fenton, and I'm your host, as I am every day. You can follow me on Twitter at CarolineFenton1 or follow along with the podcast at Locked on LSU. Well, let's get into it because we've got a spring game tomorrow, baby, SEC Network Plus, 1 o'clock Central. This is what I'm looking for in particular. Offensive and defensive side of the ball. What I'm looking at offensively, what does the offensive line look like? Who is playing at what position? Do I think that we feel pretty confident about left and right tackle? tackle uh, but who's filling into those guard positions? Specifically, who is playing at center? Uh, there's kind of been a little bit of, of a shakeup of a mix-up in the interior offensive line throughout spring practice. So I'm interested to see when the first team goes out there, who is the offensive line that's blocking for Jaden Daniels? What's the offensive line combination that's blocking for Garrett Nussmeyer? What can we, what kind of things do we see both good and bad from either of those units? Do they, you know, try and plug and play different players in different times that play with different teams? I don't know the answer to that question, but that is one thing that I'm going to be looking for is how do these, um, you know, the, the offensive line alignments kind of shake up. How does it view or how do we at least view the first team, second team offensive line? If there even is an obvious emergence of a first and second team offensive line. And does it look like they are, they're in in a good place. Uh, Remember Mason Lunsford, Maryland transfer has not made his way to LSU yet. So that will be another piece that can be plugged in as well. Uh, Zaylin's heard another one from um, Neville Academy in Monroe. He also has not made his way to LSU yet. So those are two pieces on the offensive line. Mason Lunsford can probably bet on him being a more of a, reliable week one starter over the true freshman, but still those are two pieces. So always keep that in mind when you're watching the spring game tomorrow, but that's what I'm looking for is what does the offensive line look like? Who is playing at what position? So that's the offensive thing that I'm looking for on the defensive side of the ball. I'm, I'm looking at the secondary. I'm excited to see and and eager to see the same kind of thing, but on in the secondary, who is going to be your starting safeties, your first team safeties, at least for now, where are they plugging in the corners, which corners are getting the first team reps depth at corner. I don't think is as big of a, a concern now as maybe it was, let's say a couple months ago, uh, but after the transfer portal, landing Zy Alexander, landing Denver Harris, landing Deuce Chestnut. That made you feel good, at least about the depth. But now the question is, 
who are going to be your guys, who's going to be the starters, who is going to emerge as your burner type of guy, you know, like those more specific things that even if we're not concerned about depth, so to speak, right now at corner, where are those guys plugging in and playing? I am, however, concerned about depth at safety. So how do they approach that position, especially now that uh, they uh, safety depth has taken a hit due to injury, major burns, Greg Brooks, so on and so forth. So I personally am looking offensively on offensive line, defensively in the secondary, most notably the safety depth and the organization, so to speak, of the corners. But this is what Brian Kelly, however, is looking for offensively from the spring game. Kind of building on that from from year one to year two, I guess, what do you hope to learn from the spring game in terms of just how how your team operates in that kind of setting? Yeah, so I, I think I've made this clear a couple of times is that I didn't want to get too far ahead in a sense of not focusing on, you know, the attention to detail necessary to build the the solid foundation of a program. But at the same time, you want to see cleaner execution. You want to see a preciseness. Uh, we were, you know, trying to figure out who the five offensive linemen were, right? And we, we've got a pretty good sense of, you know, what that looks like. So I think we go into this with the first unit should look like a first unit top offense in the country. They should, you should go into the spring game going, uh-huh, that, that looks pretty good. I want to break down two parts of that. Let's first break down what Brian Kelly first said about overall what he's looking for in the spring game. And I kind of understand what he's saying is you don't want to get lost in the details. You don't want to get lost in the itty bitty little specifics. You do want to look at the big picture as a whole. But also at this point in the season, you have the time and you can afford to nitpick some of those details. So once you make sure that all the boxes are checked in fundamentals, the small things, then those are already mastered and you're good to go in July and August. And then you can start to focus on more big picture stuff as you get closer to to in-game play, to system, to mastering the playbook, things like that. You don't have to worry about the teeny tiny little details and fundamentals. So it's trying to ride this very delicate balance of let's ensure that all of the itty-bitty things are taken care of now so we can move past that and get on to the big picture things. But also, let's take a step back and let's evaluate our team as a whole, what does the offensive line look like? How do the quarterbacks look? Do the wide receivers feel comfortable in the routes? Things like that. Like you, you want to you want to do both in the spring game, and that's kind of a, a healthy balance. And I don't know how they're going to do it. Honestly, it's something that I'm kind of going to approach the spring game just by watching it. Is um, you know looking at it as a whole, and also looking at individual players and saying, okay, picking up on on tiny details here and there. Of course, the way that I look at it is completely different than how a coach would look at it. Um, because I'm not teaching them technique. I can't do that. That's not my job. But um, but I think it's that's kind of what the spring game is for. You look at it as a whole, you look at the team as a whole, but you're also breaking down the things that need to be worked on before you get into uh into your the nitty-gritty of your schedule in September. Defensively, this is what Brian Kelly is looking for. And then defensively, uh, you know, the ideal situation would be the guys that they took out of the portal, they're going to help. Uh, that those are 
those are really good additions. And so I think if we walk away that from, from those two observations, um, I, I think that, that's, that I would feel good if you guys would write that stuff. If that's what you end up writing. You write whatever you want, obviously, I know that. Um, but if that's what you write about, that, that, would, that would be good. Yeah, we, we know what you mean, Brian. It's, it's okay. It's, uh, it's all right. Uh, but basically, my biggest takeaway from both offensive and defensive expectations, or at least what Brian Kelly wants to see, is there's not a specific score or there's not a specific thing that you can pinpoint to to say this is what we want to see on Saturday. These three specific things. It's more like a vibe, right? A, when you can step away from the spring game and say, okay, I feel pretty good about this team. I feel pretty good about our depth. I feel good about where we are right now to be a competitive unit in September and in October and in November. So there's nothing that I think individually that you can point to to say that, that that's going to make me feel good. You know, it's um, technique is, is, is right. You know, you're not turning the football over. You see a competitive um, a certain competitive level, it's hard to evaluate that in a spring game. But I think it's, it's less of a, a specific thing and more of an overall vibe. Do we feel good about our team where it's at in April to be at the level that it needs to be at in September? Overall, I think that's that's the most important thing, and that's the best way to evaluate your team at this point in the season. But coming up next, what we won't see in the spring game on Saturday, we will get into that coming up next. Something exciting is coming to Built on April 22nd. And I don't have all the details yet, but I can assure you that the excitement is totally real and it is not something that you want to miss. If you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world. And they have these amazing flavor drops with such good flavors, but they're only in a limited quantity. So you have to move fast. So mark your calendars and head to built.com on Saturday, April 22nd. That is tomorrow. I know you're going to be watching the spring game, but it's built bar. I mean, come on. So you can see what all the hype is about tomorrow afternoon. I cannot wait to see what this new flavor is. So make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON15, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your order. Well, thanks again for making Locked On LSU your first listen every single day. Locked On's most important time of the year. Locked On's NFL Mock Draft Special is here, and it is bigger than ever. Follow along all 32 teams' first pick in a six-episode ultimate mock draft experience that only Locked On can deliver. I provided my full draft breakdown of B.J. Ojolari so you can hear from the rest of the Locked On hosts about the players for their teams that are NFL-bound. All episodes are available now on Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Brian Kelly gave us a full preview of what we can expect for the spring game on Saturday. He also gave us a full report of what he's seen in spring. So we'll get into that on next week's podcast. Make sure you can find that on your preferred podcast platform and on YouTube. That will be live on Monday. But I believe it was Wilson Alexander of The Advocate that asked a very fair question about some of the injured guys. We've seen Mason Smith come back a lot earlier than expected after his ACL. He wasn't 100%, but he was wearing pads going through individual drills this past week of practice. We have seen um, uh, Greg Brooks. He went through a little bit of an 
ankle thing, went through a little bit of a, um, a sprained ankle, minor sprained ankle. We've seen him kind of off and on and off and on. And Wilson asked, uh, Wilson Alexander of the, of the advocate rather, asked Brian Kelly, can we expect or what can we expect from some of these injured players on Saturday? Hey, Brian, obviously we got to see uh, Mason Smith and Deshaun Womack actually sort of do some football drills this week. Where are they kind of both at now, and would you be able to even get them involved in any way in the spring game? Yeah, but it's just not something that is worth the risk. You know, he's he's in a position where, you know, he can do a lot of the, you know, virtually all of the, the drill work, um, but to put him into a spring game, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't, there's no advantage, you know, from that perspective. So um, we'll give him more time to, to get his leg stronger and um, to the point where, you know, his first contact uh, will be, you know, in, in August. And, and I think that that's probably the, the prudent thing. As excited as I think we all are about Mason Smith's return, about Deshaun Womack's emergence at LSU, that's the right way to approach it. It's a totally fair question by Wilson to ask that, but that's the way that he should approach it. That is the way that Brian Kelly should be approaching some of these injuries. I said it before and I will say it so many times again. You don't need to be healthy and 100% and going all out on April 22nd. I need you to be healthy in September. So if that means sidelining yourself for a little bit longer, not pushing it in spring so you can be 100% in September and October, then that's what you need to do. I don't want to undermine the importance of spring games and spring practice and knocking that rust off, getting acclimated into the system, into the new year, getting acquainted with some of the new players via transfer portal or some of the, the true freshmen. But, I mean, Mason Smith doesn't need need the reps. You know, Deshaun Womack is new. He, You know, he's a true freshman. But if him getting in-game experience in the spring game is going to compromise his availability in September, October, November when it really matters, then then I'm good. You know, I'm, I, I don't I don't need you out there. You'll get those in-game reps at some point. So I think that that's the, the right way to approach it. I think that's a it's a conservative and smart way to do it. I will say, so I saw some uh, some of the photos, and this is just me being catty. I saw some of the photos of the field, what it's going to look like for the spring game. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's on LSU Football's Twitter. I believe it's on their Facebook as well. I, I Honestly, I kind of dig the 50-yard line. Like I know we all are so used to the Tiger Eye, and I would assume that's coming back for the regular season. It better. But for the spring game, I like what they decided to do at the 50-yard line. It's the a, a purple state of Louisiana, and it says the path on it because that's kind of the recruiting thing is the path to the boot. Um, so I like that. The spring game really is, as much as we talk about it being a way for the coaches to see what they have, as much as it's a way for us fans to just get a little taste of football and also to, to look at the team as a whole, it's a massive recruiting weekend. It's a huge recruiting weekend, not just for LSU, but for every team across college football. So I like that they're incorporating the recruiting slogans and the recruiting uh, marketing on the field. I think that's cool. I like the 50-yard line. The end zones, however, not a fan. I've seen a lot of discussion on Twitter of should LSU adopt this for every single game? Should they adopt the end zones for the regular season? Please? No. 
That's just my personal opinion. I've seen so many people all over Twitter say that they love it, that they want to keep it. I, uh, I won't yuck anyone's yum. But man, oh man, do I not like it. Not that that matters at all. Not that the end zones matter or my opinion of the end zones matter. But that's just my two cents about what the field's going to look like on Saturday. Coming up next, Isaac Shade of Lockdown College Basketball, of Lockdown Tar Heels. I got to sit down with him for a little bit and preview this LSU basketball team upcoming. What will Matt McMahon's second season in Baton Rouge look like compared to his first? All of that coming up with Isaac coming up next. We continue our SEC day here on Locked On College Basketball. Just all sorts of stuff going on in the Southeastern Conference. And we are joined now by Caroline Fenton, the host of Locked On LSU. Caroline, it's so glad, uh, so great to have you on here, folks. You can give her a follow at Caroline Fenton one, not spelled out, just the numeral. And so, Caroline, here's the thing LSU finishes this first year under Coach McMahon, and let's just put it Kindly, it wasn't the best year the Tigers (laughs) Tigers have ever had. Uh, 14 and 19 overall, 2 and 16 in SEC play. At this point, six transfers out. And so you start wondering like, hey, but I tell you what, sister, it has been a good week in LSU. We get Will Baker on Monday coming in from Nevada and Carlos Stewart coming out of Santa Clara on Tuesday. And so I, I know that's just half of the incoming transfer portal class, but what what is the, the, before we get into these guys specifically, what is the feeling right now around LSU and the fan base with like, oh man, we've had a rough year, all these guys going out, but we're seeing some good influx in the portal. I always will say the transfer portal giveth, the transfer <laughs> portal taketh away. And I think that we are seeing that on full display with LSU basketball. It kind of reminds me of what happened this past season. Of course, Will Wade and the NCAA sanctions, LSU parts ways with Will Wade. The entire team leaves. Matt McMahon basically has to rebuild this entire ro- Not basically. He did have to rebuild this entire <laughs> roster. So now we're kind of seeing that come to fruition again this season. And overall temperature, overall vibe of the program, program right now is a lot more optimistic than maybe it was just a few weeks ago. And it was during the season. We all kind of expected this to be a rocky year. And if an LSU fan didn't expect it to be a rocky year, then the expectations weren't very fair. But I think that it was really easy to kind of lose sight of those preseason expectations whenever it did look so bad in so many games. But I will give Matt McMahon so much credit, as rough as it was to watch a lot of these games, most of these games uh, throughout the season, I did notice that this team never gave up on him. Hmm. That it would have been really easy after the first half of SEC play when you barely won one game, when you're holding on by a thread at the end of the season. It would have been really easy for a lot of these guys to say, you know what, like, screw this. I'm leaving LSU anyways. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to risk getting hurt. I'm not going to risk making more NIL money. I'm out. I'm checking out. You saw this team fight all the way to the very end. So when there was a lot of bad uh, bad beef, I guess, between the fan base and Matt McMahon, like 
We brought you in to save this program. You were able to build up Murray State. Why can't you do it now? LSU fans are very impatient. I don't think that that's very specific just to LSU, uh, but it's definitely been highlighted over this past season. So I think a lot of fans were growing impatient with Matt McMahon, but I looked at it like it's not going to be good anyways, but we can at least pick up a few little um, cookie crumbs along the way. And that was one thing that I picked up on is that this team really didn't quit on Matt McMahon. So enter these new transfers. I think overall, you know, a lot of people are very excited about a lot of these guys that are coming in. Some may not be household names, but a lot of them are, especially in Baton Rouge. So I think that whenever this fan base was kind of down and out on this team and was looking at Matt McMahon like, hey, dude, when are you going to start turning things around? Maybe they're starting to see that turnaround come to fruition, at least in terms of building the roster. That's great because not losing a locker room is is half the battle as you're totally. flipping things around. And so I think that says speaks so much to not only who he is as a tactical coach, but who he is as a locker room coach, if I can put it that way. And so, I mean, you start to look at it. You lose Cam Hayes to the transfer portal, Adam Miller, both of whom are two of the top three scores, not to mention KJ Williams, the leading scorer who came over with coach from Murray State is frankly just out of eligibility at this point. And so you have to have this influx. And so, Caroline, we look at it. The mo- uh, We've got Jordan Wright coming in from Vanderbilt, from Louisiana, Baton Rouge specifically. We've got Jalen Cook coming back to LSU, who was at Tulane after starting at LSU. Um, and then you've got, we talked about uh, Will Baker, who's coming from Nevada, who's originally from Texas. And then Carlos Stewart, that most recent addition coming from Santa Clara, but also a Baton Rouge guy. So Caroline, what I want to ask you is with three of these four transfers coming in, being Louisiana kids, Mm -hmm. how important is that in helping to rebuild a a foundation for the Tigers program under Coach McMahon? I think that it's a priority of every flagship program to keep your in-state talent home, but it absolutely is a priority for Louisiana across all all sports. It's been Brian Kelly's number one priority when recruiting in football is we are keeping our top prospects home. And I think you're starting to see Matt McMahon take that kind of, uh, that kind of vision and bring that to life with LSU basketball is keeping that talent home and also bringing that talent back home. You look at Carlos Stewart and Jordan Wright from Santa Clara and Vanderbilt, respectively. Like you mentioned, they're both from Baton Rouge. They actually went to high school together. So, you know, it makes it a little bit more, you know, you're coming home and you're also coming back to guys that you grew up with. That's a that's a big priority, I think, for Matt McMahon, because while Louisiana isn't known as a rich basketball talent state, when you think of Louisiana and you think of talent in high school, you think football. Uh, but when you look around college basketball and you look at these guys that may not be the most household name kind of guys, but you look and see what they've been able to produce. And they went elsewhere from Louisiana, bringing that talent back home whenever there's an underlying you know, love and desire to be in the state of Louisiana when you're from there. I think that's step one in rebuilding a program. You're not going to go out and grab the top prospects in high school and grab all the top transfer portal prospects in the country because frankly most of these top prospects are leaving to go win a championship you're not going to do that at LSU right now but we are going to do is continue to collect talent to build a roster so you're not winning two SEC games a year maybe you're (laughs) winning you know you're starting to make a little bit further run in the tournament maybe you're starting to get more bids to the NCAA tournament and then it becomes a more attractive place for out-of-state Uh, athletes to come so I think that's really the start build the foundation Louisiana and then grow your roots even further out from there 
Well, and it, from an offensive standpoint, I mean, you, yeah. you lose those top three scorers. All four of these guys are double-digit scorers last year, wherever they're coming from. And I know some may look at Carlos Stewart at Santa Clara and say, well, that's the WCC. What is he doing? Well, he did the same thing. conference. Exactly. He did it against Gonzaga. He did it against St. Mary. So, folks, it's going to translate. Just bet on that. So, Caroline, as you look at these four transfers coming in, not to mention there's Corey Chest and Mikey Williams, the, the incoming freshman. Who, who of these four transfers really stands out to you in terms of perhaps being the most impactful newcomer? It's tough, but I would say probably Jalen Cook okay. because he is bringing all of that offensive firepower, like you mentioned, that they're losing. And Jalen mm. Cook can come in and kind of be your true point guard. And the same thing about Carlos Stewart could also be applied to Jalen Cook of in the AAC, you're not going to see as tough of defenses or as quality of opponents that you're going to see in the SEC. But when you're averaging almost 20 points a game, I don't care what conference you're in. That's <laughs> impressive. And you're going to be able to bring a, a lot of that offense to a team that's lacking offense a, a ton. And I also look at Jordan Wright, if I can add another one in there. While Jordan Wright is averaging, or this past season was averaging the lowest number of points of all of these four transfers, I think Jordan Wright brings a defensive presence mm. and a size mm. that this team was lacking this past year. So I would say offensively, Jalen Cook, the transfer from Tulane, who is returning to Baton Rouge after he transferred from LSU in his freshman season, and Jordan Wright for his defensive presence. Love that. We're going to have to wait and see. Forgive me. I'm a dad. I make terrible corny jokes, but can Jalen cook cook next can year? We're going to wait to see. <laughs> and obviously these men, they got to keep up with the ladies who have just brought home a national championship under Kim Mulkey coach McMahon. You know, he and the dudes want to hold up that standard that the lady tigers are living up to Caroline. Big congrats to the LSU tigers on that national championship. Thank you. Thank you very much. As we are known, we are a women's basketball school that also has a basketball and a football team on the side. But thank you very much. It's been a, a super fun couple of weeks as an LSU Tiger fan and looking forward to even more Kamulki success in the future. Absolutely. Well, folks, as we said off the top, please go make sure you check out Caroline Fenton and the Locked on LSU podcast. Great stuff coming at you all the time over there. Caroline, thank you so much for joining us, getting us up to speed on all these transfers coming in for Coach Matt McMahon. It's a whole lot of them, but I appreciate you, Isaac. Thank you. Well, thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Every dayers next week on the podcast, we'll get into Brian Kelly's evaluation of the team as a whole throughout spring practice. He had a whole lot to say about Jaden Daniels. All of that on Monday on Locked on LSU.